On this episode of Resi Week, we talk chips not being back till 2022, and AWS went down. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 306, Steamships. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sennheiser and by Crestron. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by three of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Avi Rosenthal. He is a partner at Blue Suave. How you doing, Avi? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks so much for having me on. Happy belated birthday to you as well. I appreciate it. Nothing nothing worse than December babies, am I right? Hey, Sagittarians make the best people. I, I'm, I'm very happy that you think I'm one of the best people. That makes me happy. There you go. Then we have Mr. Richard Fergosa. He's the president of Fergosa Design. How you doing, Uncle Richie? I'm doing good, brother. And actually, with our, ne- our next guest coming in, you're going to be able to have a, uh, what is it, that, what they call them, the crossovers? We're going to have, a, it's it a, crossover a crossover show. It's a, it's crossover. a crossover show. So, it's uh, a crossover show <laughs> where we're not talking about anything that's on your show. <laughs> The gentleman, the esteemed gentleman that Uncle Richie is talking about is, of course, my good friend, Mr. Steve Greenblatt. He is the president and CEO of Control Concepts and uh, a New York Giants fan. So be really nice to him. How you doing, Mr. Greenblatt? I'm doing okay. We didn't need to bring that <laughs> up. Yeah, it was, it was nasty yeah. yesterday. I, I turned it I'm off. I'm glad to be here with Rich and you know we, we're going to uh, put, put our fingers, fingerprints exactly. on this. All right. Let's, let's kick this off with a highlight, <laughs> shall we say. Uh, report from Deloitte. This comes to us from CE Pro. The uh, the report in question is a report from Deloitte that is indicating that the semiconductor supply will remain short through 2022. There is a, a boatload of stuff in this article, uh, so go take a look. At boatload. A boatload. Yeah. Uh, there is there is so much stuff. Uh, according to their December 1st report. Customers in mid-2021 were waiting approximately 20 to 52 weeks for multiple kinds of semiconductors. Uh, by the end of 2022, those lead times will be closer to 10 to 20 weeks. By early 2023, the semiconductor industry should balance out. Now, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because, gosh, mid-early 2021, like February... They were saying that it was going to balance out by mid-2022, and that obviously might happen, but it's not looking good. So, Avi, I want to get into a couple things with you first on this, uh, but before we get into that, what is the average pre-pandemic, pre-garbage, what was the average wait time? Just so people know, like, is 10 weeks an average wait time or is two weeks an average wait time? Uh, eight to twelve was the the quoted times, right? Yeah, eight to twelve. So if you say ten, right, it's in the middle. But uh, eight to twelve, no problem at all. We were, you know, placing orders with distributors and with manufacturers. Eight to twelve weeks out, got our stuff, not a problem. Um, I have a couple of <coughs> excuse me, real world issues that are going on. I mean, I don't think that the Deloitte report is wrong necessarily from its prognostication, right? Everybody's going to be uh, conservative in their prognostication, but uh, we're already seeing the the rollback right of this 
this sort of 52 week was the number that was given by everybody as sort of a placeholder. We have no idea when we're going to deliver your stuff. We have no idea when it's going to come out of the foundry. So we're just going to call it 52 weeks. In reality, very few things took the full 52 weeks. In reality, even the people who said 52 weeks, you know, took 25 or 30. Now, that's still crazy, right? Don't get me wrong. But it didn't take 52. That was just sort of a placeholder. What's happening now is we're getting much more realistic quotes. And so we're getting the 20 to 30 week quote, but they're hitting the 20 to 30 week. And now I'm even seeing 15 weeks and 15 weeks is getting back to reality. Chinese New Year coming up next month. Everybody is aware of it. The Chinese government has already announced that they're going to extend the amount of time that people are going to be, quote unquote, off work. How kind of how kind of well, that's how it works. Um, We're actually starting to see some factories send some workers home even as early as now. And we're expecting at least 50 percent of the workforce to be sent home by the end of this calendar year which if anybody knows anybody anything about Chinese New Year, it's about two weeks early. Uh, because again, the Chinese government is trying to limit, you know, you, you've got the Shanghai train station, for instance, there have been days during the transit of Chinese New Year where you've got 10, 12, 15 million people, million in a single day transiting through a train station. It's, a sta- it's like, okay, everybody in New York City, stand up. And move five miles west, right? I mean, just everybody all at one time. So they're trying to limit that. And and I, I look, I can absolutely appreciate it. You know, God forbid there's a COVID outbreak, right? The whole world will come crashing down. And so they're spacing it out. What that's doing, though, from the supply line is actually a positive thing. Because the folks in transportation are not the ones being moved out early. The factories are starting to close down a little bit earlier. Um, everybody was planning for this. We had enough notice to know about it. And so that's going to give the component suppliers time to play catch up and so you know chinese new year is going to be a a watershed event in this sort of whole process how how much of this report is is a very concentrated view because it doesn't take into effect pre pre show we were talking about uh you know yes manufacturing is starting to catch up they're starting to you know the supply issue is not necessarily this this big thing we're expecting it to continue to be it's the other factors it's there's still a massive port issue there's still a i'm going to argue an underreported transportation issue once it gets to the ports what is what is that going to do you have any insight on on, on what that's going to flush out as yeah so um if you look on my linkedin feed you will see unfortunately one of the most depressing reports that i have ever had the pleasure to post uh and i even said that in in my posting i i said you know okay this is really like wrecked my day it was about a month ago and it's all about the trucking industry um and and the fact that the trucking industry is in turmoil um and i don't blame the truckers it's not the truckers fault it is the way that the sort of the mechanisms have all come around to them um a lot of them are leaving the long haul sector and going to short haul sector because there's more money to be made. Uh, the independents, as we've talked about, are having all kinds of troubles uh, with laws and things that are changing and the amount of time that they can be on the road. Um, they're not paid for the wait times at the ports. The ports are running very inefficiently. And so you've got a situation where, hey, you're an independent trucker. You get paid to bring the load from point A to point B. You only get paid when that load reaches point B. It doesn't matter how long it takes. So you have a choice. Go to, you know, the port of L.A. and sit for five or six hours in line to get your load and then travel 
16, 20 hours to get it wherever it needs to be and then offload it or start in Arizona and take a load directly from Arizona to Texas, right? Boom, and get paid right away. These are the problems that the truckers are up against. And this, I agree with you, is sort of the underreported issues. You know, there's the, there's the chassis issue, as they call it. Um, the, the chassis manufacturers are way far behind in producing enough chassis to move the containers from point A to point B. Why are they behind? Steel is behind. Why is steel behind? Because they're not getting the raw materials. The whole thing is just one big domino. Now, there are bright spots. There are absolutely bright spots. The short haul guys are doing well. Um, FedEx is starting to fix a lot of their problems. Amazon, doing a great job. Amazon's paying their people well. I know they sometimes get a black eye about that, about warehousing and things, and I'm, I'm not here to discuss the politics, but they are on-time delivery. UPS, another bright spot. Um, and so the interior of the country, the railways, railways are doing great business right now. The other thing that we're seeing is on the steamship side, the steamship recognized that they were overcharging, right? That that supply had uh, had outstripped or demand had outstripped supply. They've pulled back on the pricing. Um, The last time you and I talked, we talked about a 40-foot container costing over $40,000 to get across the Pacific. That's back down to a much more realistic $15,000. That's still about 3x what it was pre-pandemic, but it's a lot better than it was six months ago. Things are starting to to flesh out. I also think that the Deloitte is looking at specifically supply line of chips. Meanwhile, the good news again, Ford and GM, their plants have been up and running now for more than 60 days without an interruption, which means that their supply lines have improved in 2021, which is considerably earlier than what was originally predicted. I mean, just look at Ford's stock price, right? It's up because their sales are up, their revenues are up. Um, they've made commitments to, to smoothen out their supply chain in 22. Why am I looking at automotive when we're talking to integrators on the phone? Because it's all connected, right? If the automotive sector is doing well, it means that they can focus now on building chips for our sector. The AKM fire, mostly solved. They're actually, AKM is now taking orders from their uh, Asian CMs, their Asian contract manufacturers, for the turn on of those foundries. That's incredible news. We've been relying on third parties up until now, like Cirrus Logic and TI and others. That's going to take the burden off even more. So I'm actually much more uh, positive about the outlook. Uh, Deloitte says end of 22. You know, I'm going to sit here and put a stake in the ground and say by second half of 22, we're going to see a marked improvement. That is fantastic news. Uncle Richie, when when you read the article, when you see, because it, it's been all over the news. Heck, CBS Good Morning had a, had a segment on it last week. Um, <clears throat> when you see this, when you view it from from the AV perspective, we've kind of taken the last year with supply limitations and kind of played it off to most of our customers, right? And like, well, you know, it's bad, but it's going to get better. If we take this as, as kind of our benchmark and say, it's not going to be till 2023 till it's back to, to normal on-demand ordering, whatever you want to do, you know, however you typically ran your business pre-pandemic is how you will run your supply side of your business in 2023. How do we go about going into 2022 and, and, and planning properly from a business standpoint, not being so react, um, re- reactionary, but being proactive in the, the planning aspect? Well, uh, the first part in 
business and you know whether you can you could say fortunately or unfortunately about how you're going to succeed is this is how is your honesty with your clients um at the beginning uh let, let's just say the beginning of this year you know when you mentioned supply chain it just went over everybody's head it was just mm-hmm. it was just not part of the lexicon of anything but now you have clients who are like okay yeah, my outdoor furniture, my wicker's not arriving for six months. Um, yeah, I just got a call that, you know, the quarry in Italy can't get a boat to bring our countertops over until summer. So so there is, you know, it's not necessarily like hammering home the point that there is just this lack of stuff. But it is an understanding that in the construction process that, there are other industries being in, in that are involved in this. And so mm-hmm. a big part for me and the one that kind of, um, I don't know, it kind of, kind of got under my skin that I've not been a fan of is a lot of times I've been hearing from manufacturers or sales reps from manufacturers who are chastising dealers who said, well, you should have just ordered more goods and just had it ready to go. Come on, son. Yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> we're talking practice. We're talking practice. Um, but, you know, it was like, well, that that problem, it's like it's already gone. It's like I can't order it now anyway to fill it. So why are you trying to slap me on the hand saying what I should have done? Um, so I think also in the industry, too, is there's this willingness to try to kind of want to. I don't know. I don't understand why I told you so as a sales tactic necessarily. Um, so so I want so my feeling is, you know, kind of moving with it is, is no, take the partnership approach. Look, there's issues. You know, I've had some pretty difficult conversations with clients where it's like we had a rush, 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 rush. And then we looked and we looked at the realistic timelines and I'm like, it's just not going to happen. And so we have a choice. You know, I, I think realistically this, this can happen and it may slip still. And, you know, we're basically we're doing 30 day check-ins going, okay, where are we? with this or is it real is it not real is what's wrong my manufacturers coming with and being able to provide to the client was like look your house is gonna get built this office this headquarters is gonna get built my assumption is that my stuff is gonna be delayed about the same amount of time as your other stuff so let's start working with those timelines and it places, you know, and again, it depends on who you're working with as well. If you're working with an end user, if you're working with a general contractor, an architect, if you're working with a construction management firm or, or a consulting group, right? Um, it does lead, uh, a, a, it provides a good opportunity to start getting honesty from the other side because everybody who's been involved in any project that is construction related, which is what we are part of the construction industry, you know, whether it's a home, a business, you know, a a classroom, a corporate boardroom, everybody who's been doing this long enough has the general contractor come in and says, we've got to have this done in three weeks. Everything's got to be completely done, completely done, right? And it's got to be done. And so all of a sudden everybody runs around, you got 50 people on site trying to get everything done. And then you find out, oh yeah, it's another seven weeks before the tables and chairs get there. So 22 days later, he's (laughs) hanging drywall. (laughs) Right. You know, you know, and and then you have to start pulling out your contracts of uh, what part of dust free you know, condition, did we not mean, right? You know, and you've literally got it. I I remember, you know, I laugh about the time that, uh, you know, I almost got hospitalized in a project in Park City during the Olympics because they were staining a five-story structure with me there. And so I got overcome by the fumes, <laughs> you know? And I'm like typing away trying to get things done. And I'm like, 
this is not good. <laughs> you know, is but, his head supposed to be planted yeah, in his keyboard? I'm floating. So maybe we should call. You know, someone. it's it's it is an opportunity for creating new dialogues with your partners, including right. your clients and the other trades that you work with. Um, you know, a big part that you know, like I said, I mean, what Avi gave was just a master class on why this is, you know, why it is. That's um, why he's here. <laughs> it is, but a big part. I don't think any of us anticipated the demand for electronic goods in our industry no. either. Oh, absolutely. That also was a it, it, because again, everybody needed to be connected. Everybody needed. I mean, there was what a four month period that you couldn't buy a USB microphone if your life depended on it, right? Mm -hmm. Or or a yep. camera. Uh, you know, I mean, these are things that, you know, you could literally go into a Target at one point and have yeah. four to choose from. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it, we're going to see this because of it's twofold, right? They, they're, they're, it, is, it is a perfect wave. You know, we have the transportation issue. We have the getting the stuff from there to here. But then we also have, but people also ordered a ton more stuff. <laughs> and, and so how you do, I mean, I, I just this past week, um, I'm getting stuff directly from China. It's, you know, I've ordered some Apple products. They're not even getting warehoused in the U.S. at this point. Mm -hmm. It is literally being individually boxed at the where at the factory in China with my name put on it and then sent via DHL here. It's crazy. I mean, I, I would have never thought that that day would come. But because before, right? There'd be a thousand sitting in a warehouse in Georgia, mm -hmm. and they just stamp it, flip right. it out, stamp it, flip it. They are coming one at a time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's talk crazy. about just-in-time engineering. That's what we're seeing right now. It's crazy. So well, yeah, I'm nice. waiting for. I'm actually waiting for one of the the control companies or the audio companies or somebody to figure out what this proved to me was how big the competition was between what we do for a living and people taking a vacation. Because one of the reasons why demand was so high is nobody took a vacation. And, you know, you never thought about it to yourself as an integrator to say, you know, my biggest competitor, I always assumed, was the kitchen counters, right? No, no, no. Turns out my biggest competitor is, hey, you want to go to Europe this summer or do you want a brand new home theater? And it was never plainer to me than it was during the pandemic when people were like, hey, I can't go to Europe. I'm putting in a home theater. Somebody's got to take advantage of that. The The redirection of funds has been phenomenal to watch steve let, let's wrap this this story up quick before we we move on to our next one how do you go about business planning going into 2022 because we know that again supply will be an issue but i don't think anyone has a really good handle on where again that where that money is going to be spent Well, the, there's a, a lot of factors, uh, and and as you know and alluded to, I I also come from the commercial side, and and uh, looking at where, when are people going back to the mm -hmm. office because that's going to have a huge impact on what what does the commercial industry look like, and when they do go back, what are they going to need? Who's going to go back? What are the spaces going to be used for? So the same is on on the residential side. What 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 is the the living condition going to be what what are the demands going to be are how how much are people truly going to be working from home um, as Avi mentioned how much are they going to be traveling again because even if you're not working from home 
even if you're working from home, that still doesn't mean that you're not traveling. So, so there's a lot of factors at play here that are going to impact what the demand is. And, and I think it's going to impact what manufacturers are making. Um, product design, uh, I think product development is getting spun up again. And it may not be taking the same trajectory that it was taking when things slowed down or when things had had to be um, realigned. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of factors at play here, and, and it's very tough to navigate, quite honestly. I think it's it, you have to take some guesses. You have, you have to make some educated decisions. Um, but I also think you have to be ready to, to be agile about it and, and shift and say, I, I think my, I'm going to hedge on this side, but I have a plan B, a plan C ready in place because these, this is where everything else is. So maybe it's 40% or 50% uh, a pr prediction of going this direction, but the other two options are not too far behind. Mm -hmm. Whereas normally you would say, okay, I'm 80% and then I just need a 20%. So th I think that you have, you have to be ready to, to, to change course uh, as you're going. And, and I think a lot of budgets are going to get reevaluated after first quarter, mm -hmm. um, even after the first, uh, even on a monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really going to really going to change. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our, our, what will be our last story of the day. This comes to us from business insider. AWS, uh, was down on Tuesday of last week. This is an article from December 7th. Um, AWS is Amazon's web services, uh, a, a massive server farm, digital computing platform that literally everything you use on a daily basis runs off of AWS in some way, shape or form. Um, heck, Azure feeds some stuff back into AWS, as does Google Cloud. It is literally become the backbone of, of everything you do online. Um, but as I said, they went down on, on Tuesday for a quite a period. It affected a boatload of stuff from streaming services like Disney Plus and Netflix to Tinder to uh, Roku devices to some crypto stuff to a bunch of... Are, Rich, are you laughing at the Tinder or the Roku? I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm wondering like the fact that you were sitting there just trying to swipe the entire time it's like this was not actually published in the news article yes it is it says tinder no it says tinder that's why I read I'm it I'm worried about turning on my lights and he's swiping you know what? I don't know what Rich is doing and I don't want to know um, anyways it, it, it literally it, it took down so many things but it also took down ring and it took down overseer and it took down um uh um panamax's platform it took down so much stuff rich when you when you see this it it it, it was one of those things that i noticed the first thing i noticed it on was i think um it took down facebook and, and instagram which oddly enough those were the the first things that tipped me off that something was going off and then through some other platforms saw the, the, the cascade. And then I started to get the emails from some of the manufacturers. What does it mean about the industry that for once it wasn't the user base having to explore and determine that some of these services were down, but that the manufacturers stepped up and actually like said, Hey, 
everybody's having a problem. Here's what's going on. I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was the a, a very real world iteration of what we keep trying to tell clients about being proactive with with these systems and that you know it's it's funny is that you know a, a lot of my clients um still are typically older than me and so they're a generation ahead of us and this also tends to be when we face most of that culture clash in between because i've had clients you know i'm going on 20 25 years i've been working with them so i go back to they had 10 foot satellite dishes um you know and 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 tube tvs and the fact is the, the digital media and the terrestrial air and some of those things yeah they worked better um in a sense in that they were not a, a binary equation it wasn't an on and off it was a static or blurry picture or you know something issue and as we've moved into you know what we call the instant gratification age of, of consumption of entertainment's consumption um and the expectations of it um i found that this is now a necessary thing because clients expectations even of an older generation um, they still have the thoughts of the old system of everything should still limp along, but I also want it now. And so trying to bridge that gap um, of the expectation management of the two is uh, going to be interesting. Well, I'm just going to keep on talking this. Well, it's considering that we have, you know, our welcome to a state of control. I knew we would eventually. I do think it's funny you guys are talking about network down and and all of a sudden matt goes away because you know they heard us talking about network down I, oh you, you know, know it, it never right? fails it must but have been I, you know i i find it also interesting rich that we it, it shows the vulnerabilities there's no doubt about it i also equate it to sort of the early days of aviation because in the early days of aviation a plane god forbid but a plane would crash and we would learn from that situation we would learn what happened and, and what affected it and that problem would not happen again and so each time one of these situations occur, you know, you can say to yourself, okay, it sucked. There's no doubt about it. But we've learned from it and we understand now how to reroute things. We understand how better to back things up and how to make sure that we have contingency plans for what's going on. So I, I find it very telling that the manufacturers have gotten good enough now that they do send out those emails. It shows the maturity within our uh, industry, it used to be these things would go down, and three days later, you get a call from a rep saying, "Hey, yeah, I think we might have had a problem on Tuesday, but it's Saturday, so who the hell knows?" Now they're monitoring the systems well enough that they understand what's happening as the users are understanding it, and so they're able to be proactive to say, "Okay, it's a problem. We understand it's a problem. We're working on it. This is what you can tell your customers." Instead of you getting the phone calls, the integrator and going, "No, no, no, I'll have to look into it." You know, a, a, a big part is that, you know, we, Steve and I, but in all honesty, Steve and I talk about this a lot, you know, about, um, uh, we call it, you know, anticipatory service, right? The whole purpose of, you know, this next level of automation, integration, whatever you want to call it, 
um, should be about anticipatory services, right? To find an issue, deal with it, self-heal if possible, and then go through kind of the triage process, right? You know, what happened here? Is it a, is it a localized issue? Okay, let's start with a reboot. Is it a far, is it, is it a bigger issue? Is it network specific? Okay, let's take a look and start scanning what's going on in here. And then, you know, you escalate to the next steps. So, you know, it was refreshing. I mean, nobody likes an outage. Nobody likes the, the discomfort of it. But the fact that there was a process for once that got initiated, the game plan, it was like, I was able to proactively go, oh, you know, somebody would contact me. I'm like, oh, let me tell you what just happened. And we had an answer. And, and that makes a big difference towards expectation management. Steve, we've, we've for years built AV systems based on local, right? Everything was localized. You wanted on-site media on like everything was localized everything is now shifted and clients are demanding remote we have clients that don't care about on-site cctv recording they want it in the cloud they they just want to go to ring and buy it and, and make it work are these instances the ones that give us the opportunity to contrast the difference between those two systems because previously, when you went and told a client, hey, you know, that's great, but if power goes down or if a server goes down, you may not be able to do everything. This was one of those things where we had clients who had, like, they were locked out of their homes because their stuff wouldn't work. Is this the, is this going to become the case study for making sure that if you go full 100% cloud, that your client is aware of what those drawbacks are and you have them sign something so they don't yell at you later. I think that that answer probably comes in generations. And I think that, you know, for a while, and again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the commercial side of things is that we're still struggling to get things on a network. And then cloud was this big, bad, you know, scary thing. And, and on the residential side, it's been embraced. And I was actually going to add, you know, to the conversation that it's, it's actually, it's encouraging to see, people's patience with it. And it's encouraging mm -hmm. to see that people are accepting the uh, fact that the, they do go down from time to time, just like anything else, just like your power goes down and just like your internet goes down. And then, but you, but to your point, you have to categorize things. So when it comes to life safety, security, you do have to have a backup because that's mm -hmm. a smart thing to do. But when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to lifestyle, you could afford to be able to have to accept downtime, and and that that's not a terrible thing because um, everybody else is dealing with the same problem. And and I'm glad to see that we're starting to get more of a recognition for the fact that what we do does have some shortcomings. Just by nature, mm -hmm. because we're yeah. all limited to the technology that it's based on and we can't be perfect. And for so long, from a programmer's perspective, we always were the ones that were looked at as the weak link because I did this and it doesn't work, so fix it and don't let it happen again. And the bottom line is that the technology has flaws and the technology is not going to be able to be up 100%. And there are things that are going to not work from time to time for one reason mm -hmm. or another. And, uh, and I think that stuff like this actually brings light and, and makes what we do, gives what we do a lot more credibility 
So yeah. as much as nobody wants failures and nobody wants something to 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 go down or have have uh, you know ca- cause an inconvenience, it, it actually is probably not a bad thing for us pros that are in the industry making things work every day. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I I'll add as we as we close. I loved watching everything kind of go down for that fact, because for whatever reason, when you, he's a masochist folks. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But when you, when you explain to a client that, you know, your system occasionally will not function the way they think it will, they look at you like you're crazy. Like, well, what do you mean? It's gotta be perfect and work all the time. It's like, honey, Facebook with billions upon billions of dollars does not work all the time. Neither does Twitter, neither does Instagram, neither does Ring, neither does all of these other services. So when you do have these massive outages, like when when 365 went down a couple, like a year and a half ago, and it was down for three days, I was in heaven because I could go to all of my commercial clients and go back to that for a good solid year of, you know, everything's going to be fine. But in the event of a problem, here's what happens. Well, what do you mean a problem? Remember when 365 went down? Yeah, like that. It happens. Stuff breaks. What are you going to do? Like, we just have to get back and fix it and get everything back up and everybody's happy. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Steve, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Control Concepts, where can they do that? Uh, Connect with me on social media at Steve Greenblatt. Uh, Control Concepts is controlconcepts.net. We're uh, lesser known on the residential side, but we do help to make uh, products work together, and we we do a lot of the behind the scenes work to in the the middleware uh, part of the industry. So please reach out if you want more information about that. And as Rich will say, uh, please check us out here, and uh, we want the listeners to learn more about a state of control at AV Nation. Very good. Mr. Fergosa, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa design and a state of control, where can they do that? I'm impressed that Steve finally jumped in what and a started pitch. promoting what a our darn show. That was, what that was awesome. I, I listen that to was, you guys is, when I'm not doing He is normally this. so modest about those things. And I'm sitting in the background going, dude, Steve, dude. Brings, um, brings a tear to my eyes. It was, it was a proud moment, man. Um, if you want to find me, you can uh, Fregosa Designs the website uh, at rfregosa on Twitter. You can type my name into the interwebs. Um, but if you do want to find out about other verticals, you can follow my partner and host, Steve Greenblatt, on one of our monthly shows, actually recording this week, uh, State of Control, talking about the AV uh, programming industry. But the best place, honestly, that I do hope that you find us is here on avnation.tv with our suite of shows serving all the verticals. And help us out, keep an eye on our sponsors and supporting them, and hopefully we can keep bringing shows like this to you that way sounds like pbs up in here all right avi thank you for joining us uh again happy belated birthday if people want to connect with you learn more about blue sav where can they do that uh, so the easiest place to learn more about Blue Sav is on our website at www.bluesav.com. Uh, as the only guy up here who doesn't have his own uh, blog or podcast, you know, I can say, uh, you know, you can check me out on Twitter and Facebook. But it really, our our uh, website is the best place. And of course, we will be at CES. You know, where I, I will plug a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, we'll be at CES. I'm excited to be there. 
Um, they're expecting a great crowd this year. Over 1,900 vendors have already signed up. So, you know, please, if you're going to head out to the show and you want to know more about the integration world and why CES is important to it, reach out to me, uh, Avi at bluesav.com. Be happy to help hook you up. Awesome. Thank you all for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott uh, and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 